RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 419 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, June 25th, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June 28th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kat. Well, Captains, Anthony is out on vacation for the next two weeks, but... Not to worry, because we've got the news covered. And joining us as our very special guest host this week is Star Trek Online's community manager, Ambassador Kell. Ambassador Kell, thank you so much for joining us this week. Hey, thanks for having me. It is always a pleasure to be on this podcast. Uh, I never thought I'd be hosting it, but but now I have absolute power. Hear me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a real pleasure to have you, and we're excited that, uh, that you're joining us for this entire episode. But don't worry, Captains, we'll be talking about Star Trek Online news later on in the episode. I would hope you would talk about Star Trek Online news with me here. <laughs> right? I mean, really? <laughs> All right, Kat, why don't you tell us what we've got to look forward to this week? Well, this week we're checking out a big lead on short treks. Then Michelle Paradise discusses show running and writer's rooms, and Marina Sirtis talks Deanna Troy then and now. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, the 2019 Ryzean Lolanot Festival is around the corner. Rise of Discovery hits consoles, and Star Trek Fleet Command nabs a Star Trek alumni. And in our monthly Astrometrics report, Dr. Robert Hurt explores the rocky road traveled by the OSIRIS-REx mission to hopefully return a sample of an asteroid to Earth. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. But before we move forward, we want to remind you that on Tuesdays, we are now recording at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be recording right up until Mission Log Live starts their broadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern. So if you haven't already watched us record live, it is so much different than when you download the show on Fridays. Uh, And if you haven't thought to, uh, Priority One encourages you to open hailing frequencies. Reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And all of those are with one spelled out, not the number. Now, we do need to take a moment to thank our patrons, because without their support, we would not be able to continue to produce the quality content that you've come to expect on Fridays here at Priority One Podcast. Because of them, we can continue to upgrade our equipment and digital tools that we use to help enhance the show from year to year. Also, it ensures that we can offer some incredible content from live events like Star Trek Las Vegas coming up in just 36 days as of this recording. 
Captains, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways you can help the show. We're looking for volunteers to join the production team. Specifically, we're looking for audio editors to help clean up a segment or two. We currently have a great team working hard each week, but many hands make light work. Shoot us an email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com with audio editor in the subject line. Now, let's trek out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what in places? I don't know. Then let's trek it out. If you thought Rebecca Romaine's time as number one wasn't long enough, or that Ethan Peck met the tall order of playing Spock and you wanted more, then you may be happy to hear that they're likely getting their own short trek. On May 30th, writer, director, producer Mark Pellington posted an Instagram photo of a Star Trek Discovery director's clapboard with the title Chaos Theory, along with the message, quote, Goodbye, Toronto. Thanks for an amazing crew and adventure, end quote. Pellington followed up with a second Instagram photo of himself flanked by Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck, posting, quote, Romaine Pellington Peck Trek Shorts, end quote. While the story, brought to light by TrekMovie.com on June 23rd, may not definitively verify a Spock number one short Trek, the evidence certainly points to more than likely. For a link to the Trek Movie article, check out the show notes. So what do you guys think? A Spock number one short Trek. Yes, I want that. Put it in my brain. Put it mm. in my brain right now. Mm-hmm. Please, immediately. I loved Rebecca Romaine as number one. She was great. And she was so criminally underused. Like, it was such a big stunt casting for them. And she was amazing at everything they had her do, but she was only in, like, two episodes. Yeah. I, I really would love to see more of that character. Um, I mean, obviously, I was on the Give Us a Captain Pike show right now train. Oh, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> like everyone else in Star Trek. But I think I think the three of them together were a really good chemistry, and I'm really excited to see if this is if this does, does turn out to be one of the short tracks. I'm really excited to see what uh, Romaine and Peck do together. On June 15th, Variety posted a drama panel discussion, A Night in the Writer's Room, which featured showrunners from some of entertainment's biggest programs, including Good Girls, The Walking Dead, Ozark, and Star Trek Discovery. Michelle Paradise represented the CBS All Access Science Fiction franchise and had some interesting insight into Star Trek's Writer's Room. On the topic of how disagreements are handled, Paradise said... And sometimes, it, uh, at least on our show, we find that if someone has a reason for bumping so strongly on something, that, that there's something that we really do need to look at. At least in sci-fi, you know, you can have space and aliens and all sorts of things like that. But it always represents what's actually happening here and what's happening in society and what's happening culturally. And so if someone is really bumping on something, it, it may be that there's an angle that uh, the rest of us in the room aren't quite seeing yet. On the difference between having a show written before filming and writing a show in the process of filming, Paradise reflected on her time on X's and O's, a show written before filming, and Star Trek Discovery, which writes during production, saying... It's just tricky. It just makes for a lot of balancing. We try to, to write as many episodes as we can and at least have as many production drafts and, and outlines and hopefully a couple of story areas too before we start shooting. But inevitably, you have to start shooting. And then inevitably, as you're doing that, time in the room slows down. And then you're trying to catch up and trying to keep ahead of the train that's coming right for your face. 
If you're interested in Paradise's thoughts on writer's block, a saturated viewer market, toxic behavior in a writer's room, or are just interested in the process of television show running, check out our link in the show notes. You know, with so much going on right now politically and sociopolitically, particularly in our country, I really would love for them to push the envelope even further in season three of Discovery or in the Picard series. I mean, you know, right now, one of the biggest things in the headlines right now is the topic of immigration. You know, what, how would the Federation handle refugees from another solar system, from another galaxy, from another quadrant? You know, what would the political ramifications be for the Federation and how would they handle it? I mean, I would I would presume that they would handle it much like they did at the start of Generations, right? You have the Lorian refugee ship being caught in the ribbon and they welcome them with open arms to save them. So I hope that in the upcoming series and, and episodes that we see, they push those themes a little stronger. I think that is one of the things that I love the way Discovery has been doing serialized storytelling, like picking an arc and following it throughout the whole thing, the way so many people loved in Deep Space Nine. But I think that is one of the things that I miss about more episodic stories of people going from planet to planet and uh, encountering a new story each week is that I think it made it a little easier to jump on those allegories quickly rather than having to have a build a whole season around them. But I love what she's saying here about, you know, having to make sure that sci-fi represents the current culture and what's happening in the world because that's what's so important about stuff like Star Trek, especially Star Trek, and that it's always been a place to tackle the issues of the day by putting them in a in a metaphor so that it's easier for other people to understand. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, well said. On the day of this recording, June 25th, 2019, Marina Sirtis will make her West End debut in the comedy Dark Sublime. She spoke with Digital Spy about the production and, of course, Star Trek. Sirtis was asked about Star Trek Picard and her involvement with the production, to which she reiterated previous statements, quote, If they ask me, I would love to be in it. But I have to be honest, the phone hasn't rung yet, so I'm not holding my breath. But I'd love to do it as long as I don't have to wear that spacesuit again, because I've put on quite a bit of weight since then, and I don't fancy going to the fat farm to lose it all again, end quote. On the possibility of her own Troy spinoff, Sirtis replied, quote, To be honest, I don't think there's ever going to be a Troy spinoff. I don't think that's going to happen. The reason I'd love to do it is not just because I'd like to resuscitate Troy, because I've actually played her. As far as an acting challenge goes, it's not one, really. I've played her for so long. But I'd just love to work with my mates again, because that was the best time of my life, end quote. When asked who she would cast as Troy, Sirtis told Digital Spy, quote, I think Mila Kunis would make a good Deanna Troy. I think she's a lovely actress. She's got the right kind of look, and that wouldn't be too much of a stretch for her to play that part. End quote. For links, check out the show notes. Oh, man. Mila Kunis, I think, would actually play an amazing young Marina Deanna Troy kind of thing, right? I think she would if they were doing... With the J.J. Treks, you know how they kind of took these characters and were like, made them sort of the the avatar of themselves, like more what the characters became than what they are, they necessarily were in their first appearances. And I think, right. Uh, you're right, I think she would do a really good version of like, the kind of Troy Marina Sirtis always wished she could play. <laughs> well, that brings us to our first community question this week. If you could reboot Star Trek The Next Generation, what would be your dream cast? Let us know in the comments section for this episode over at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by simply replying to our social media posts asking this very same question. Is it cheating to say Patrick Stewart, Brent Steiner, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, <laughs> Michael Dorn? Oh my God, get out of my head because <laughs> I was like, I would cast Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although maybe people would say, who's the guy that plays Sheldon Cooper? He can maybe play Data. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, my dislike for Big Bang Theory is showing. This week in Trek history. This week in Star Trek history, we travel to the year 1991 to watch Mr. Robot gleam the cube in a Will Scarlet red uniform. On June 21st, 1991, Christian Michael Leonard Hawkins got his Star Trek break filming as an unnamed Excelsior communications officer in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. The then 21-year-old actor, a lifelong Trekkie, got the part thanks to his mother, casting director Mary Jo Slater, and was better known by his stage name, Christian Slater. Despite this being his first on-screen role with the franchise, Slater had connections to Star Trek prior to the cameo. Slater's godfather, Michael Zaslow, played science officer Darnell, the first dead crewman in Star Trek history. Zaslow later had a role in the original series' second episode, Mud's Women. Early in his career, Slater teased an interviewer that his signature eyebrows were due to the fact that he had shaved them to look like Mr. Spock and that they hadn't been right since. The actor admitted later, though, that he regretted the joke, saying people still ask him about the Halloween costume gone bad. In regards to the undiscovered country, Slater's credit, unnamed Excelsior communications officer, was the same credit given to former Star Trek yeoman Grace Lee Whitney and, in the novelization of the film, Slater's would-be scene was given to Whitney's character. In a 2017 interview with Graham Norton, Slater talked about his time on set and admitted to stealing the uniform he wore in his scene, quote, I stole the costume, by the way. I have it in a box somewhere. It was William Shatner's costume from Star Trek II, actually, end quote. <laughs> I think Slater That's... speaks for all of us. <laughs> oh, That's true. I loved I... him in Undiscovered Country. He's opening, you know, knocks on Sulu's door or whatever. You know, Captain is <laughs> so good. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Captains, before we move on to Star Trek Online news, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mixed Dimensions. We've teamed up with them so that you can save 20% off of any 3D printed starship at any size. Completely customizable. Now, Mike, you've seen these 3D printed ships up close and personal. I, I have. I have one proudly on my desk. What do you have? The uh, Jem'Hadar carrier uh, from the Lobi store, whose class name I have completely forgotten, um, but with a, uh, a Riemann shield on it. So it's got all these really cool mixing colors on it. It's it's super, super good looking. Did you have that one custom painted uh, or did you have it 3D painted? I had it custom painted. Nice, nice, nice. I do remember you sharing those pictures on your social media accounts when you, when you first received it. What are your overall impressions of Game Prince quality? I mean, you guys have obviously a great partnership with them. What is the buzz around the office with Game Prince and Mixed Dimensions quality of their products? Um, I think Game Print has been a fantastic partner for Star Trek Online, and I think their work really speaks for itself. Um, we shared all the ships as they come in as uh, Thomas and Rakosa and I and Mac and everyone has had their ships uh, 3D printed and delivered. It's a really, really cool feeling to take the ship that you've been flying forever and put it in to a real physical object that you can hold in your hands. But on top of that, like now, as you, I'm, I'm sure you're going to mention in a bit, they've added that marketplace. So like if there's a ship that you want that you don't necessarily own uh, and somebody's already uploaded it for 3D printing somewhere, you can get that printed out on your desk right now. Um, so that's kind of amazing. It's, it's a really, really cool service. Right. And the best thing about that library of ships is that you can 
completely rename the registry number and the name of the ship itself. So let's say you find a design that you like, but you don't play Star Trek online. You can have that ship printed with your custom name and registry for that ship, which is a, a great addition. As a matter of fact, it's recommended that even if you do upload your ship, that you go into the editor on the website and still rename it to the name that you want because of the way that the ship is printed from the game. Um, so that's a little handy tip for you there, Captains, if you are in fact interested in getting one of your ships 3D printed. Well, with options starting at $19.99 for a four inch color print and the reintroduction of their hand painted models, there's no reason why you shouldn't just add a unique starship to your collection, customized just for you. And as we mentioned before, when you use coupon code PRIORITY20, that's the word PRIORITY and the numbers 2 and 0 at checkout, you'll save 20% on your order. Captains, don't let deciding on which ship hold you back from 3D printing a new fleet of ships for you to display proudly in your home, office, or wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. Remember, that's code PRIORITY20 at checkout to save 20%. And don't forget, with their newly designed website, you can explore the gallery, choose a ship that you may already enjoy, and just rename it to whatever you'd like. Just visit GamePrint.net and start building your fleet today. And we thank Mixed Dimensions for their support of this podcast. Now, let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. It's been a long winter. The cold, the snow, the bloodthirsty enemies trying to mercilessly tear you limb from limb. But fret not, intrepid starship captains, because it's time to relax. It's time for Rice's annual Lolonaut Festival. That's right, starting July 2nd and running through August 15th, you'll be able to hit the soft sand beaches of Risa to collect Lolonaut favors and prize vouchers for the year 2019. And you'll be able to play whether you're on PC, PlayStation 4, or Xbox One. This year, the festival is jam-packed with new items, including new baseball uniforms, floaters, and power boards, featuring the Bozeman Titans and Deneb 5 Slime Devils team designs, discovery-inspired food consumables like Chippers for sipping on the beach, sport-inspired audio space emotes, a baseball ground device, and the all-new team-themed vanity shields, which feature the colors of your favorite Star Trek baseball teams. You're also warned to keep your food store safe, lest you breed a new species of baseball, um, Tribble. To purchase these new items, you'll need Lolonaut favors. And to obtain said Lolonaut favors, you'll need to powerboard race, compete in the biathlon, Horgon hunt, scavenge with Sovak, and do the snake at the dance party. Come on, ride the snake. Please tell me somebody knows ride the snake. The real prize though, is the upgraded tier six Rysian Corvette. As of this recording, no stats have been released, but the Rysian Lolonaut Festival blog teases that the upgrade ship will be speedy and, quote, include a brand new ship-related feature that we're excited to reveal, end quote. And we are. We're very excited to reveal that. Not on this podcast. 
Oh, sad panda. I'm sorry. I feel bad, too, because this is going out on uh, Friday, uh, and I think we're teasing that feature for the first time on Sunday before the the stats get released on, I think, Monday. So you're just like three days early. Well, we're excited about it, whatever it is. Here's what I'll say. I'll say exactly what we're going to say on Twitter on Sunday, which is that the things we want in life are ephemeral and often fleeting. So is that a hint? Is it? Is that what it is? It's like a... Is it a... You being cryptic? <laughs> I'm always cryptic. That's what I do, Elijah. So, Mike, obviously you can't share the stats with us, but what can you tell us about the visual design? We saw the new aesthetic and design posted and teased. What uh, what can you share with us? Well, I think the original Rising Corvette was designed to be a space hot rod. You know, it's the kind of thing that you can imagine yourself blasting some classic rock and roll while you're flying through space, turning the speed up to 11. The new one, Thomas really wanted to continue on that design aesthetic. Uh, and so what he did was he kind of cleaned it up. He uh, This is giving away an answer to a question he put on Twitter, but he... Uh, he put the tail lights from an old muscle car on the front of the ship, and he, he kind of gave it that whole, um, you know, he, he gave it this very clean, very um, aerodynamic aesthetic. Uh, and I've I've flown it a little bit today, actually, uh, to um, get some images and videos of it. And uh, it's a fast ship, you guys. <laughs> it's a it's a very fast ship. Awesome. <laughs> is that the Easter egg he was talking about? That is the Easter egg he was talking about. Yeah, the uh, the I, I've given it away. I'm sorry, Thomas. But by the time this episode airs, you'll have asked it like four or five days ago. The front of the um, I assume they're the uh, nacelles um, on the ship. Uh, those are the tail lights from uh, a muscle car. I don't remember what model of muscle car. Well, that brings us to our next community question for this episode. What are you most looking forward to earning during the 2019? Ryzen Lolunat Festival. I really want those vanity shields. They are so pretty, especially the Bozeman Titans one, that black and gold. I tried it out on my uh, on my Machla and just, mwah, it's just, it's so pretty. I wonder how that would look as a 3D printed ship. That's a good question. I might have to look into that. Console captains, your wait for Star Trek Online's latest expansion, Rise of Discovery, is finally over. Launching June 25th on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, console captains can play two new featured episodes starring Star Trek Discovery's Jason Isaacs as Captain Gabriel Lorca and Rekha Sharma as Commander Ellen Landry. In the plausibility of the possible and impossibility of reason, you'll aid the Baran and her crew in a fight against Ja'ula of House Mokai's forces both in space and on Frozen Priors world. Captains will also have access to the Discovery Legends reputation. Unlock new traits and equipment including Burnham's armor and the disruptor-wide angled dual heavy beam bank using Discovery Legend marks and P-Stellivatory spore canisters. Earn those by playing Discovery Task Force Operations. In a blog post on Star Trek Online's news page, executive producer Andre Emerson said, quote, We've been running parallel to a Star Trek TV show for the first time in our history, and Rise of Discovery tells the story of a pivotal moment in the lives of both Gabriel Lorca and Ellen Landry. You'll get to experience the events that brought them both to the first episode of Star Trek Discovery, and you'll get to be a part of the story alongside them. End quote. So, Mike, now that we've got you, let's talk a little bit about this summer. Let's talk about this the rise of Discovery coming to console. My first question is with console-related content. Over the course of the last several months, it looks like you guys have been closing the gap between what's been published on PC and what's coming out on, on console. Is that happening? Is the gap coming a little closer? I remember there being a, a buffer period between the time that you could release stuff on console. Um, About, this was... um. 
during the Zenkefi arc, so um, maybe a little more than a year ago. Um, I know our team at the time were working really hard to bring console and PC as close as they can conceivably be without being right up against each other. Um, I still think I think there's always going to be a little bit of a buffer. Uh, for one reason, we do that is because of the certification process on Microsoft and Sony. We have to have something locked to send to them, um, and because of the size of our QA team, uh, who all works super freaking hard, but as you guys well know, we don't always catch everything that comes to live on PC. There's always often some bugs that slip through with a new release, and so having that staggered release allows us to uh, fix those bugs and get them into the build that goes to console for certification so that when that goes live, hopefully, I won't say there are no bugs, <laughs> but hopefully there's a fewer issues to deal with. Now, we have uh, a few questions coming in through the, the chat as we record oh, yeah, this episode me. live on Tuesday night, and mm. one of the questions was from our very own Salaknar. Um, hey, Mark. Asking... Is it Salaknar? I thought it was... Okay. Sal. I've been saying Salaknar all this time. My bad. Uh, maybe. Why did the sandcastles get removed from the rotation this year? I, to be perfectly honest, did not know they'd been removed until this moment. Um, so that may be an oversight in the blog. It might be something that um, Jeremy forgot to mention when he was writing that blog up. Uh, or it might be something that was uh, removed for a technical reason. Um, what I can say is when I go downstairs right after this podcast, I will ask people and find out. I like building sandcastles. That part's fun. <laughs> Me too. And we have a question from Shane Hoover asking, so Mike, you've been teasing that you've been working beyond your role as community manager. What uh, What is it that you're, you've got uh, on the whiteboard? One of the great things about working at Cryptic uh, and working on the Star Trek Online team uh, is that they're very good about allowing people to grow their skill sets and learn new things. Uh, the amount of stuff that I've learned to do while working on Star Trek Online is amazing. I mean, I, I'm certainly not up to the skill level of a content designer now, but I do know how content design works. Um, when I'm taking screenshots, I often have to place a character in environment, set them to doing a specific animation so I can get the screenshot I want. Um, so that's all been really cool. Uh, the really cool thing recently is that I started working uh, also for Champions Online, uh, which Cryptic's oldest running game by a little bit. Star Trek followed them by a couple of months, I think. They're a really, really cool team because, you know, it's a it's a smaller, a bit more agile team um, than other teams as go. And there we are just now releasing our first set of new playable mission content in a very long while. And I actually had the opportunity to not design, design is the wrong word, but to come up with the uh, the basic story of all of these missions and to write all the dialogue for them. Uh, and so the first set that's coming out is called Death Rattle, uh, and it will be my first piece ever of published video game writing, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's a really cool concept that me and uh, Jay Turner, who is the uh, writer for our upcoming Magic game, and Steven D'Angelo, who is our CEO, and um, Kaiserin from the Champions team, um, uh, all kind of sat down together and worked on. Uh, we kind of went from a very basic idea of, well, this is the enemy type we'd probably like to do. How could we go from there to the mission that's now live on their public test server, uh, which is the first of a set of four that will be coming out regularly over the next couple of weeks. So this first arc is called Death Rattle. And then there will be at least, I think, three more arcs that tell an overall, overall story from beginning to end that we're, we'll be dropping the first teases to in, I believe, episode 
episode two, you start to see some of the uh, clues to where this might be heading. And so it's really cool. It's a really exciting opportunity for me. I've gotten to write story blogs for uh, Star Trek Online before, which has also been fantastic because I've gotten to write semi-official fan fiction for characters like Kira that I love. But this is my first actual published video game writing, and I'm really excited about it. Nice. My congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. I wanted to know more about the lighting changes that we're going to see on Risa. So there's a funny story behind this. You guys have, well, uh, Elijah at least has met um, our uh, our new art director. And I say new, but he's been on the game for more than a year now. Uh, Bill Yates, uh, who was a fantastic guy. Um, and one of his big passions is he knows that our game is older, but he wants to make it look the best it possibly can at all times. And so somebody brought up the fact that when we went to Lighting 2.0, we had to lose the day-night cycle on Ryza, and that we'd bandied back and forth all of these ideas on how to get somewhere, you know, maybe the map, maybe there's two versions of the map, one that's day and one that's night, and it's random which one you go to. Maybe there's, you know, uh, there's something we can do technically that'll allow us to uh, change the sky file over time. Um, But Bill took a look at the map as a part of that discussion, and literally just said, well, here's some things you can change right now that will just make the map look better and more modern and more exciting. And so he um, sat down with our lead environment artist, Scott Boyd, and the two of them worked really hard on it. Um, And they made a bunch of changes that Scott finished on Friday. And those are the changes you see on Tribble right now. So that's the the permanent sunset that it's got going on now, which is really, really nice. Um, I don't know if it has um, the sun lens flares on Tribble. Uh, If you look at the sun, like as it goes back and forth in front of buildings, uh, you get some really cool lens flare effects that I... I'm really fond of. Um, I know he made some changes to our really old sand. We had Ryza used to have this sand that had these permanent mm-hmm. waves in it, um, and it, now it just looks like beach sand. But then they went through and did some changes, did some another round of feedback on that. And I know they've made some more changes. Um, the the current one on Tribble, the only a certain part of the sky is sunset, and everything else is kind of dark and looks stormy. Uh, the version that we've got here, which is the version that'll be going out with the summer event, is super beautiful, multicolored sunset all the way through the sky, and it's it's absolutely gorgeous. And it was. It was a lot of hard work in a very short period of time, but it's really makes the map feel new and different and exciting again. Uh, I'm, I can't wait. I saw some screenshots that Mark Salonkar uh, posted from Tribble, and it just looked great. Sometimes on um, Twitter and Facebook, I'll share a uh, GIF of something in the game, but with this one, it was like everything that I was doing to try and make a GIF that was small enough for Twitter was so like screwing up how good this map looked that finally I was like screw it we're making a video I'm gonna add some calypso music to this and we're throwing it up (laughs) so look for that next week (laughs) or actually later this week maybe even doing these summer events what kind of or or any event any seasonal event what is what is the goal right what is your target is it to get players back into the game to earn a ship are you trying to introduce perhaps a new game a new mechanic what's the thought process there I think for any video game that works as a quote-unquote live service, which is, you know, MMOs like Star Trek Online and World of Warcraft or those, you know, world shooters that are coming out lately like Destiny and Anthem, um, I think the goal is to get players to want to spend time in your game. And events are a very good way of doing it. It's why we did uh, started doing these featured TFOs. Um, and it's certainly the idea around the summer event. Um, and the reason that you make new rewards every year and new exciting rewards is because then players will log in on a regular basis to experience content that we hope is fun 
but also to work towards the reward. And sometimes that works really well. Uh, if you have something like, you know, Operation Repost, everyone seemed to um, pretty much enjoy. So there was, they were okay with playing that, you know, 14 times in a row to get their reward. Um, sometimes, you know, we did that reskin of Drainer Gauntlet, Drainer, however you pronounce that. Um, and that wasn't as fun for people. They still played to get their reward, but there was a lot of like, well, I can't believe I have to do this 14 times, grumble, grumble, uh, which we understand. And so the balance you're always trying to strike is... What content can you make that has good enough rewards that is fun enough for players to want to come in and spend time in your game? So we got the Summer Risa event coming up just in less than a week. Uh, what else can we look forward to coming down the pike in the summer and perhaps August at uh, Vegas? So August at Vegas, um, I know, I think I can say this much. Uh, we will be announcing our next big content update. Um, and we also want to do a bit of a retrospective there on all of the uh, discovery work that we've done so far as we, you know, maybe start to move back towards being in 2410 more permanently. Um, we will be announcing um, the next actor to join the game. Uh, the, he or she or they have already signed their contract. It's very exciting, but obviously I can't say anything about that right now other than they're coming. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the rest of the summer, um, there is going to be some new some ships coming sometime in the next couple of months. And there's... I will say that ship bundle has some stuff people have been asking for in it um, that I'm excited to finally send down the pipe, uh, which I actually teased on Twitter a while ago, and a lot of people thought I was trolling, but maybe I wasn't. How does Romulan ships? <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny your, your wild assertions, well, madam. Well, I just hope it's Romulan ships. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking of STLV, any idea what the uh, bridge officer rewards might be, if any convention-exclusive items that you might uh, be offering? They're going to be discovery-related, um, and I think that's literally all I know. It's all I've all we've decided so far. Um, Can uh, I please I don't... have my own Lorca, please? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're trying we're trying to figure out because Lorca's a good one, Landry's a good one, uh, Tilly's a good one. I mean, for the yes. past year, we have so <laughs> many good people who've joined the game that it's like, man, there's a lot of options. Um, so maybe we'll do a pack like we did last year for Victory's Life, where there was like four of them. Uh, we are doing. Um, I think I can say this. We're doing something with uh, uh, Star Trek Knight that for, with the San Francisco Giants. We'll be, we'll be giving away some bridge officers there. So that's probably going to be a bit of a preview because uh, those will be new bridge officers if everything continues as I've been told. Um, Wait, what is this? Tell me, I'm like me? calling on my friends in San Francisco. Please go to this thing. <laughs> uh, this will be officially announced next week. The San Francisco Giants do a... Um, Star Trek night uh, every year, and so they're they're doing one that's you know it's going to be a regular baseball game, but there's going to be lots of Star Trek themed things. I don't know how much they have or haven't announced about the event, so I don't want to give away too much other than they're doing it. Um, but we're going to be partnering up with them at that event as well, and it's going to be fun. Nice, very cool. With the announcement of the Discovery era Enterprise Constitution class, there was a little bit of pushback from the community. Is that something you mind going into a little bit? You know, what what is Cryptic's approach to that and response to that feedback? The main issue with something like this is I want to be as transparent as humanly possible. Um, when, we, when we talk to our fans, I want to be transparent and open. Because people are very upset about this particular issue, because a lot of people really, really wanted the Enterprise and the D7 um, and really, really wanted them to be in the C-Store, there's a lot of feeling that if I say anything other than um, what people exactly 100% want to hear, 
that I'm taking a corporate line or that I'm, you know, saying what my masters have told me to say. So it's hard to respond to that officially. I think the best thing I can say is what I said on Reddit, which was, if there was a better way to release those ships, we would have done it. Because we know how much people wanted those ships. We know how desirable it was. But when you're running a business, and when you're running a free-to-play video game, you also have to consider all of the angles you need to consider in order to uh, keep the lights on, play your, pay your employees, uh, you know, all of that lovely stuff that we want to do so that Star Trek Online continues being uh, as successful a game as it's been. We know how much money sea store ships make. We could probably, and we did actually do an estimate of how much more that would be if it was the Discovery, and it's it's just not in the same class. Now, some of the, the numbers I've seen thrown around are wildly higher than the amount of money that we're making by fans. I mean, uh, a lot of people have been posting their own um, ideas on how much we must be raking in from this promotion, uh, and um, it's not that much, you guys. <laughs> if it was that much, this would be a very different game. Yeah, it's hard to to, it's it's hard to say anything other than that, and I probably have already said too much. We heard you guys. We heard you guys as you as you said when you make this ship. Please, please, please put it in the sea store. We we heard that, and we've been having a lot of discussions internally. If not for this ship, maybe for other similar ships or for other versions of highly desired ships what we might be able to do in the future so that people can fly the ship they want without having to feel like they're spending a lot of money on R&D boxes. Uh, I will say I think STO has, and Cryptic in general has, one of the better free-to-play models in that aspect, in that at least you can still get the ship. And I know people are going to say, oh, it costs billions on the exchange and it would take us months and months and years to save up for it but the ship is still available to you uh, and it is still available to you for free if you want to get it that way um, and there are other recommendations people are making I've seen them on the forums and Reddit and Twitter and Facebook on ways to um, get your hands on the ship without ever opening an R&D pack um, so it's possible I know it's not the ideal solution I know it's not what everybody wanted um, but it is unfortunately the decision we had to make uh, yeah, of course I mean the, the, you know when it boils down to it as a free to play game that's a big ticket item that everybody wants to get there has to be some sort of incentive for people to open up their wallets because there is a team of people developing uh, the game what about the decision to prevent the tier 6 token from oh well it's in the R&D pack so I wasn't going to be able to you yeah be able to <laughs> uh, so, we did mind. always say I know what you're going to ask we did always say with the tier 6 tokens that they wouldn't work necessarily on the newest ships um, however those tokens uh, unless something has changed since we first launched this system and I don't think it has uh, those tokens don't expire and we do plan as time goes on to um, put more ships in into that token field. So if the Baran is something you're really pining for, but you can't get at it with the tier six token that you just earned from playing a bunch of future TFOs, keep it in your inventory, hold on to it, and wait. We, we may, uh, well, we will make the Baran and other ships available down the line. Um, if this uh, experiment with tier six tokens proves really successful, which I think it probably has at this point, we will be looking to run this event more in the future, which means that as new ships come out, they'll be blacked out from the thing, but then older ships will be opened up to it that were previously blacked out. I know, mine's sitting in my inventory right now, because I don't know what to get. <laughs> There's so many choices. There is, well, I have a, 
most of the ships already. <laughs> and there's going to be, uh, speaking of T6 ship coupons, um, because I know Andre would want me to tease this, and if he was here, he would probably just straight up say it, but there's um, a new thing coming next week with the summer event update that's very exciting mm. that involves tier 6 ship coupons being nice to your friends. <gasps> and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> interesting. That sounds exciting. Very interesting. <laughs> Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week in Star Trek Online News, unless there's anything else you'd like to share with us, Mike? Uh, I don't think so right now. I think I've probably said too much. I'll be, awesome. I'll be shot upon, on site upon leaving this office. <laughs> that warp core behind you is now going into... It's going critical. It's going critical. <laughs> Warning. Warp core breach a lot sooner than you think. I have to roll under a door as fast as possible. Whilst screaming, cool it leak! Yeah. <laughs> Now it's time for our weekly top tip. And because we have a very special guest host this week, I invite Mike Fatum to read this week's top tip for Star Trek Online. Did you write this or did Anthony write this? This was written by Jake. Oh, Jake. Okay, so I just wanted to give credit for that. This weekly top tip is called Bailing, Bruh. In an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, Here's our weekly top tip. All right, I'm not going to do the whole thing in that voice. <laughs> um, you're on Ryza. You've got a quiver of the best boards, and you've been hitting the waves. It's glassy, and you are ready to drop in and go off, bruh. Well, young grommet, the power board race can get choppy. Maybe I am a new voice. A common trap some of us fall into is overshooting the finish flag. Chopping our first place finish into a runner-up defeat. If you find it near impossible not to overshoot the flag, or lag has made it difficult to time the activation properly, the simplest solution is to bail off the board, bro! Here's how. First, drop the board in your hot bar. To make it easy, assign the board to the position in the tray that activates when the number one is depressed. Next, race your way to the finish line. Prior to crossing, aim your board directly at your flag. If you are neck and neck with another racer and are not confident you can pull off the maneuver yet, aim for the next highest flag. As you approach the flag and cross the finish line, hit the one key. This will remove your board, slowing you down but giving you more control of your character. Continue to move towards the flag if you're too far away. Step four, hit F until the flag is yours. Finally, celebrate with an emo. I prefer doing the snake. This may take a while to perfect, but it will help if you have consistent trouble overshooting the flag. Surf's up, dudes. In other gaming news, Starfleet Command adds Alice Eve as Carol Marcus. Star Trek Fleet Command, Scopely's open-world, free-to-play, 4X strategy mobile game has scored its first Star Trek alumni, Alice Eve. Eve, who portrayed Dr. Carol Marcus in 2013's Star Trek Into Darkness, is reprising her role as the brilliant scientist in Star Trek Fleet Command, with stories written by prolific Star Trek comic book writer Mike Johnson. Eve shared the news via Instagram video on June 18th. Star Trek Fleet Command is described as, quote, the first free-roaming multiplayer Star Trek experience to combine role-playing game-style progression and real-time battles with enemy ships, all on mobile devices. A fast-paced strategy experience, the game brings players unparalleled access to the Star Trek universe along with an epic narrative that unfolds as they travel to the furthest corners of the galaxy, end quote. 
you know, <laughs> ever since I've been playing this game, I've been seeing a lot more ads for this game pop up. <laughs> I see them constantly, and I've never downloaded the game. It's just the nature of the beast of, you know, trying to explore and investigate Star Trek gaming. Um, and I have to say that the ads look way better than the actual <laughs> gameplay. Um, which, you know, it's... I, I, you know, I know Anthony did a review several weeks ago. I think I'm going to give it a few more weeks and keep playing it a little bit before I give my final review. But I am just not having fun with it. The combat is, is lackluster. You know, that's a, that's that's pretty big to, you know, quote yourself as the first free roaming multiplayer Star Trek experience. I mean, I guess because you're Star Trek. I don't know. But there, there's a lot of... I think they get away with that one because they say on mobile devices at the end. Right, right. Otherwise, no, we did that first. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, it's not for me yet, but we'll see. I uh, I will say I'm glad they've gotten a Star Trek alumni. I, I haven't played the game, but um, I see the ads all the time, constantly. And uh, at least early on, their ads were stuff like, um, look, here's Steve Aoki playing our game. That I was kind of like, you guys know you're marketing a Star Trek game, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm, no. And last but certainly not least... Kat, why don't you give us an update on the Armada? Well, this week, the Priority One Armada concludes its month-long, six-year anniversary celebrations. We've had a bunch of contests, and we've given out some pretty good prizes over the past month. That included T6 ships, costume, lockbox keys, tech upgrades, all kinds of stuff. But we have had a great month, and the membership turnout has been wow through the roof it's been great so we are looking forward to another six years with our amazing community awesome congratulations to an amazing six years thanks that's awesome that you guys have had this thing going for six years that's super cool the communities you guys have built are amazing yeah our community is awesome i they're fantastic well that wraps up star trek gaming news now let's check in with dr robert hurt for our astrometrics report space astronomy quantum mechanics it's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real! Education, astrometrics. The final frontier. For this week's astrometrics report, we're going to take a very, very close look at an asteroid and see how that presents challenges both to our idea of what an asteroid is and to scientists who would very much like to obtain a sample to return to Earth. The asteroid is known by the name 101955 Bennu, or Bennu for short, and currently it is being orbited by the NASA mission known as OSIRIS-REx. I have to take a minute to note that OSIRIS-REx may well be the single most convoluted acronym I have ever seen on a NASA mission. It stands for Origins, Spectral Interpretation, Resource Identification, and Security Dash Regiolith Explorer. It was launched in 2016 and arrived at Bennu in December of 2018. Its mission is twofold, to both take detailed observations of the asteroid Bennu, but also to be the first NASA mission to return a sample of an asteroid to Earth for study. Now, Bennu itself is actually quite small. It's only about 520 meters in diameter and is already in the history books for being the smallest object ever orbited by a spacecraft. OSIRIS-REx is now orbiting Bennu at a distance of a mere 0.4 miles, which is about 690 meters 
stars, barely one diameter away from the asteroid. As you might guess, this means we now have some incredibly detailed imagery of this asteroid from almost every conceivable angle. Now, before I go on, I'm going to ask you to stop and picture in your mind exactly what you think an asteroid looks like. Odds are, that image has been deeply influenced by the kinds of things you've seen in shows like Star Trek or movies like Star Wars and it's probably something like a really large, solid rock. What we see on Bennu is completely different. Instead of one solid object, we see a huge pile of rubble of boulders of all sizes. It really looks more like what you would expect to see piled at the bottom of a rock quarry. And this means the asteroid is a very different kind of thing than we're used to imagining. In the early solar system, there was certainly a phase when large solid objects formed in the process of creating protoplanets and planets. But it appears that since that time, many of these objects have slammed together and broken into shards of rocks and debris, which themselves have slowly pulled together under the influences of their own self-gravity to form rubble piles like Bennu. I invite you to check out some of the photos that we'll link in the show notes and see for yourself what a weird rubbly pile this thing is. This rocky surface is also creating an unanticipated challenge for the sample return part of the mission. In order to touch the surface lightly and grab up some material, OSIRIS-REx needs a relatively flat region and can't do it in an area where there are lots of rocks or boulders nearby. So finding the best possible area to try to grab a sample is going to prove very difficult, and NASA is inviting you to help. There's a site where citizen scientists can go and help examine the images that will be coming in from OSIRIS-REx in the coming months, and with a little luck, maybe find the perfect spot for the mission to grab a sample of Bennu and return it to Earth for further study. If you'd like to help, go to the website bennu.cosmoquest.org and register as an asteroid prospector. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captain's hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Episode 418's community question was, how did you celebrate Captain Picard Day? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, Wonderful show, everyone. Welcome to Cat. I was playing SDO. What else? <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Good, good. Mike, what did you do for Captain Picard Day? Well, I am completely blanking on what we did, but I'm sure it was lovely. <laughs> Fair enough. From one of our patrons, Peter Archibald. Welcome aboard, Cat. It was good hearing you on the podcast. As to meeting at the Star Trek tour in Ticonderoga, what do you think about Treconderoga? It's August 23rd to the 25th. Meeting up on Saturday sounds like fun. That does sound fun. I think some of the team is going to be at STLV like that next week or during that time. Is that the same time? So two week long Star Trek road trip is what I'm hearing. I know, I know. So STLV is the first week of August. Oh, okay. And then Trek Conderoga up in Ticonderoga, New York happens the last weekend in August, the 23rd through the 25th. I'd be down. I'm not scared. I know. <laughs> it's like, I just might have to take like the whole month from work off in August. <laughs> no, seriously. Sounds like a good plan. Peter, of course, we will keep you updated because I know you're in that area and we'll keep everybody updated. It is an absolute testament to the power of Star Trek that 
people are willing to go to the set tour in Ticonderoga because that's like a two-hour drive from the nearest airport, and yes. people are going there all the time. Yep, yep. I, I love Trekkies. <laughs> I find it to be a bit more magical than STLV in terms of being in a Star Trek environment, right? I mean, it's the set. It's like walking into church almost, I think is how I described it when we went. It's just so spiritual. It's a spiritual experience. It's weird. Yeah. Following our tragic transporter mishap, which led to our not going live last week, longtime friend of the podcast, Jason Smith, sent us an interesting photo in the caption, (laughs) quote, transporter malfunction, new host of P1 is Eliany, end quote, <laughs> that photo was awesome. Thank you, Jason. That was, that was that's a really good photo. <laughs> uh, it is not for the faint of heart. Well, that wraps up episode 419 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and daily Star Trek news, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a community question for this week. If you could reboot Star Trek The Next Generation, who would you cast? Also, what are you most looking forward to getting during the 2019 Rysian Lolanot Festival in Star Trek Online? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or just do a search for Roddenberry for all the Roddenberry podcast shows. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find us live on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter. Just keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and me and the Priority One Armada Saturday nights, the Armada broadcast live to review the latest Star Trek online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. We regularly give away stuff, so come and join us follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times and if you'd like to join the armada visit priority1armada.com this episode of priority one podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com find out more and add your support at patreon.com priority one even if you can't make a financial contribution please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow trekkies it's your support that keeps us going Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show, and to community manager, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. 
because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Sue, no! Engage. All of those are with one spelled out, not the number. Nice throwback. <laughs> we do have to take was a moment. That a throwback? I thought I was just being helpful. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a throwback. We, that's, that's an inside joke, actually, that we that we had going on for a while. That's one. Oh, really? The number, oh, good for me. not the. All right. That's one. The word, not the number. Okay. <laughs> put on quite a bit of weight since then, and I don't fancy going to the fat farm to lose it all again, end quote. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, what is oh, happening man. over there? <laughs> Squeaky toy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, it's fine. Have fun with that, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's our, our intrepid audio editor for Trek It Out. We love you, Daniel. Sorry. Uh, this year's festival is jam-packed with new items, including new baseball uniforms, floaters, and pow- we re- you re- you know what? I gotta pause here a second. Can we can we get a new name for floaters, please? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> we, we can call them jetpacks. I I apparently right. we must not have been able to. There must have been some reason. <laughs> Obviously, this was like you know years ago before I joined the company, but I cannot imagine why they went with floaters instead of jetpacks. Uh, but that is their name Fair now right. and forevermore. Because I imagine the data changes to make that name change would keep Jet busy for like two weeks. <laughs> and do the snake at the dance party. Come on, ride the snake. Please tell me somebody knows ride the snake. <laughs> I was, don't, uh, I have I no was, idea. I expected you to do an impression uh, of Maria doing do the snake. And you went instantly <laughs> creepy instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I, th- I think it's an old... Um, in living color if i'm pretty sure it's an old in living color skit with jim carrey and if it's not a living cover it, in living color it was a guest host that he did on, on SNL. got it look it up youtube that console captains your wait for star trek online's latest expansion rise of discovery is finally over hold on i need wine we've reached that part of the show <laughs> it is the best <laughs> part of the show there you go they don't want you to just uh sorry i had no idea you were vaping right now and so i just looked at the screen and saw all this smoke pouring out of your face (laughs) it's just like oh my god all right sorry let me let me go back and start that answer he's on fire um podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network